stop. Sure you want the rest of it? Dirty Harry Miller. Dirty Harry Welcome back to Dirty Harry Minute, a podcast where we review and analyse every minute of the 1971 Warner Brothers film, Dirty Harry. I'm one of your hosts, Trent, and I'm joined with... John! And... Tim. Today, we are joined by guests, Liz, who in the first one today was uh, Fiona. Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. I like both those names. <laughs> and then we've got Georgia. Hello. And then we've got Mitch. Yes, I'm still here. So, this minute continues with gunfire and ends with a low-angle camera pan across a lightly blood-spattered pavement. Mm. So, where do we begin with this one? We begin with an IMD intervention. Harry fires six rounds without reloading. In reality, the size of the 458 Winchester mag case is so large that it limits the magazine capacity to two to three rounds. With one round in the chamber, the maximum number of rounds he could have fired without reloading is four. So now we're now we're Kevin Costner in JFK, are we? Is that what this has been reduced to? Where did that come from? That's from IMDb. Is IMDb, it? yeah. Have you had many Simpsons corrections from listeners or people? Mostly they correct us. I accidentally ah. referred to the Princess Bride as the Princess Diaries the other night. It was oh, oh Jesus, wait. Look, it's I know, two very different pieces. I know they're two very okay. different pieces of film. I've only watched one of them, and it was the correct one to have. I was going to say, was it the right one? To yeah, have yeah. As I said to them, it was frankly inconceivable that I would make such a mistake. But is I- there a right one to have watched? Bride, of course. Depends what age. The bride. You, are. <laughs> you guys could see the look that he just threw. <laughs> <laughs> Princess bride fans are pretty rabid. Like they're oh, very defensive. They? Yeah. 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 I came to it really late in life. Me too. And when I did discover it, I was like, oh my god! Now I finally get why Carrie Elwes got roles in things for quite a long time. Because <laughs> up until then, I'd seen Men in uh, Tights. Well, not even that. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking more Kiss the Girls, Morgan oh, Freeman. Oh, yeah. And I was like, who's this guy? And how did he get paid for anything? I was thinking The Crush with Alicia Silverstone. I was thinking yeah. Hot Shots. Hot Shots. Yeah. yeah, he was in that. That's right. <laughs> Hot Shots is understandable. Hot Shots has my favorite visual joke of all time. And it's when Charlie Sheen's walking along the beach and he says, it just seems that whatever I do, someone gets hurt. And as his girlfriend is trying to say, I don't know, you're only being silly. He skips a stone along the beach, hits someone in a rowboat and knocks them out. (laughs) Classic Charlie Sheen. (laughs) You still like this uh, this minute, Tim? Yeah. Shootout still packs a a wallop. It's great. Even if it would have... If it would be done And we get to today. see, um, what's that guy's name? Linguini, man. Oh, yes, right at the <laughs> end. <laughs> I just love how you see Scorpio laughing maniacally as he's got them pinned down. He's Immaculate just... dental hygiene. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he's got good teeth. A little bit gappy, but, you know, still. Do serial killers normally have good teeth? I don't know. But we've, I mean, we have two guests from Adelaide here, so maybe they'll be able to enlighten us <laughs> on this. Is that a pun on serial killers and teeth? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a double pun? <laughs> Also, some Adelaide shade just through Adelaide major shade there. Actually, speaking of being from Adelaide, how do you feel about the Jesus save sign being shot up? 
is that City of Churches? City of Churches, yeah. 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 We, were, um, we were talking to a previous guest, Trav Nash, about how if it was remade in Adelaide, it wouldn't be a Jesus Saves sign, it would be a Pilates sign. You it know? Would oh be. my goodness, <laughs> it definitely would be. And we determined are they just the local construction, like they're the Grolos of South Australia? It was one dude. One dude. Well, yeah. it's the Lebanese mafia, really, I think. That's what ah, I think. Um, yeah. they, they own half of Adelaide. They own half of Because I thought it was just because Adelaideans are either serial killers or really nice people. I thought it was just a polite <laughs> way of saying toilets. The polite. You seeing all these signs? <laughs> like, no, I believe it's their family name. Yeah. It, it was a guy who was in constru- construction and real estate and he purchased all these buildings. And he died, I think, about 15, 20 years ago. And there's been a lot of contention over his estate and- the kids trying to fight over it and everything. Because I was just, when I was last in Adelaide, I was fascinated by all these signs. Everywhere. Like a friend and I would play a game with Polites, like, and you'd have to spot the Polites sign. Yeah. It's like, damn, we've already seen that one. That's void. <laughs> would it have been more distressing to you girls to see the blood on the pavement at the end of this or just a bunch of spilled Farmer's Union iced coffee? <laughs> <laughs> yes, classic chocolate milk. Classic, classic chocolate, chocolate milk, milk yeah. is um is what's the That's real South Australian blood drink really of choice. Yeah. is over chocolate milk. It sells more than Coca-Cola over there, I believe. Really? Apparently. That's yeah. It is delicious, but the, your obsession is a that. bit too... It's probably the, the second... Yeah, highest selling products, weed. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. There, there was a short story years ago, and I can't remember what it, what the short story who the author was, but it was the Coca Cola kid, and got made into a film with Eric Roberts, and it's set. Love Eric Roberts. The, the, the film is set in the Blue Mountains, and Eric Roberts is this Coca Cola executive sent from the US to find this one spot, which is in the Blue Mountains, where Coca Cola doesn't sell, and some other cola outsells it. So he's sent as this efficiency expert to boost it. And I think, why didn't they set that in Adelaide rather than... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I want to watch that movie now. (laughs) (laughs) They brought a Czech director out here and Greta Skarki's in it and stuff. It's not the greatest film, but yeah. Was The Calcium Kid a remake? The Calcium Kid, that's with um, Orlando Bloom. I don't know, sorry. That looks like a very young Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts. We've just discovered the poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. (laughs) Eric Roberts. Uh, it's almost like George Costanza, actually, in that he's trying to sneak food and drink into the bedroom. <laughs> yeah. so. What is that poster? Like, oh, very suggestive. Mm. It's got a post-split end slash pre-crowded house Neil Fun in one scene singing a song with his brother Tom. The tagline here is a new formula for comedy. Now, would that have been <laughs> 1985 would have been around when New Coke was coming yep, out. Exactly. Yeah. So, that's- is. That's basically just a, an hour and a half commercial for Coke. Is that what that film is? Uh, there's a little disclaimer at the start saying Coca-Cola does not endorse this film. Yeah, right. Yeah, so it was set separately. But it's the Coca-Cola red that fills the poster. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Subtle. I like to take home some Eric Roberts in a, in a doggy bag. I don't know if anyone else wants some. Now, there's a logistics little question that I have about this particular minute. So, uh, Harry and Chico, after the shootout, after the neon sort of explodes around their feet. They're running down the stairwell. Harry pulls his gun out and looks suspiciously at the stairwell as if they might be in danger, despite the fact they're on a completely different building, at least binocular Mm. distance away. Yeah, good point. Is it that he hears the shot fired that kills the other police officer and that's what stops them? Uh, Is that what happens? Like, well, because there's that random shot fired and the first time watching it, I had no idea why they stopped because they just stopped. Yeah. But they still run up to that police officer. It's not like they come out and that he's at their feet. 
Yeah, okay. It just seemed, yeah, it just seemed like the they've tried to add in a bit of there's some danger about these them stairs. I meant to say these their stairs. <laughs> I, went, I went more redneck than I meant to. No, I think you're right, Mitch, because we're we're meant to believe that Scorpio is going to try and attack the priest, who is even the church is even further away than Harry. So Harry's not in any danger, but maybe it's just an, ex, uh, an excuse to get the magnum out, the big cannon. Yeah, a bit of casual product placement. Coca-Cola, what? <laughs> Did Magnum support this film? That's what I said. Yeah. I was like, you know, there's got to be something that, there, doesn't there? That is a selling line, like <laughs> yeah. the most most powerful handgun in the world. And he says it twice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Blow man's head clean off. Well, apparently they'd ceased production a few weeks. Oh, that's probably an apocryphal story, but they had re- they had stopped making them a few years beforehand and Clint had to intercede to get them to send him a prototype, yeah, him and Milius, to, um, to use in the film. Wow. Smith and Wesson. Is it true that <laughs> the sales increased then a lot after? Yeah, this that's film? that's what Doctor Google says. Yeah. Every Sounds nut. Like a good old fashioned comeback to me. <laughs> <laughs> so why why did they cease production? Do you know? Was it poor selling at the Super time? Super faulty. Or? No. <laughs> they um. They you may as well have a rifle when you've got that much power. Well, they found ice cream was more profitable. <laughs> <laughs> it was too hard to shoot up an entire office space with only six bullets. <laughs> Ooh, and that just so, so. or a school, you know. <laughs> yeah, they didn't exactly. want it to blow head clean off. They wanted to make it really messy. So, mm. do you like Trent? How Scorpio is just laughing, so unhinged. I do. It just looks so great. I do. San Francisco dental work at its finest. Have you seen? I've noticed a, a production still of Andy Robinson. Trent, you can have a look. Um, he's standing on like a porch, like a very cheap yeah. sort of stoop, and like a, maybe a southern. A southern, you know, Georgian or Texan um, outhouse or something. From this film. Yeah, pre-production photo, maybe hinting at his past. But it never really figures, the backstory never figures in the rest of the movie, does it, Tim, apart from the novelization, Where his name is Charles Davis, you said, a mental patient from Springfield, Massachusetts. That's right. And uh, Andy Robinson said his backstory he created himself was that he was a, a Vietnam draftee that returned back home and went insane with PTSD. But I like how we know nothing about the... Rambo did the same thing. Did it for good. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't have to go killing priests. (laughs) Powers for good. Do you think there's a bit... Oh, I I think it's probably obvious, but obviously he doesn't get to kill the priest, but he does get to shoot up the church sign. Mm. It's kind of the... And that's really when he gets that joyful laughter, maniacal joyful laughter. Yeah. Look of satisfaction. Yeah. A good point, yeah. Because after this, he after this scene, he doesn't go for the priest again, does he? he goes for the teenage Anne Marie Deacon. That's right. Um, I've discovered that photo you're referring to. Yeah, and I think that that is when he goes to the guys, the abandoned building. Oh, to get beaten up. To get beaten up, because if you look at it, that's what he's wearing. Yeah, the blue. Shirt. Oh, okay. Yeah, seen there. But that's a construction site with the. Yeah. That looks more like a like a. I don't. Doesn't it strike you like the Deep South? Like he's some. Oh. Maybe some fly-by-night mental sanitarium in Savannah, Georgia or something. Yeah, yeah, nay. But, I, I think mean, that's most... how you'd like to think of it, Jonathan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stop romanticizing violence, buddy. Um, but the, yeah, I, I think you'd find a building like that in a lot of uh, older okay. cities and things. Mitch, I like how you say the Jesus save sign. It's um, Later in the film, we'll have other iconography of religion, the Mount Davidson, the cross being the big one, and these big symbols of Christianity, but they mean jack. They don't protect anyone. 
Just symbols, empty symbols. Which is a fairly bold statement to make in a American yeah. blockbuster. An yes. all-American blockbuster of this time. Mm. Yeah. What do you think, Tim, their endgame was? Like, why it's just one cop with the rifle- To end religion. <laughs> <laughs> and endorse guns. Don't you think they should have a, a cop, like, on Scorpio's building, like, down the bottom to stop him? Well, I guess with Officer Collins. But why have they just got Harry and, and his sidekick with one gun, with one yeah, antiquated I thought about that, rifle? But I think they addressed that in one of those boring office scenes when they said <laughs> they had everyone on patrol. And oh, yeah. they volunteered to be uh-huh. on the rooftop. Because hmm. they get so close to their, their prey, Scorpio, here, but they stuff it up. So I'm just looking up the novelization again. So there was a novelization of Dirty Harry. Yeah. Okay. And then a series of spin-off novels and whatever, which have you you haven't read them? Have Not you? all yet. No. In the novelization, his real name is Charles Davis. Like I said, he's a formal mental patient from a sanitarium in Springfield, Massachusetts. It's too bad it didn't become a Marvel comic. I <laughs> <laughs> could have brought it back. <laughs> yeah. The PTSD thing. I mean, it all makes sense. I mean, that's nineteen. This film's nineteen seventy-one. Um, the US had been in Vietnam since 64, 65, I think. Mm. And, you know, I mean, that sort of thing was starting to emerge um, openly that, yes, these guys were coming back and they'd been brutalized and you know, picked randomly. And, yeah, the PTSD thing was becoming uh, well known. Oh, that would have been a movie. Say, if Robin Williams had reprised his role from Good Morning Vietnam mm. as the psychopath <laughs> basically so you get adrian cronauer on the roof good evening dirty harry and then just, let's fly and then he can be you know maybe that's him appearing in the starship song we built this city on rock and roll there's that radio bit and it's about san francisco in the middle welcome to the bay area or whatever he's saying it could be that bit looking at all of that gorgeous gorgeous sunny city yeah, yeah by day and then he's you know being scorpio at night they never suspect the radio guy. They never saw it coming. <laughs> well, Robin Williams was very good at being funny and scary, I think. Mm. Yeah, has anyone seen Popeye? <laughs> <laughs> More scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Really oh. Never the two at the same time, though. <coughs> yeah. That's true. He's not very funny in insomnia. No, no. Just terrifying. Yeah, not to make light of, you know, Vietnam people returning, but Birdie, not another great Vietnam film with Nicolas Cage and Matthew oh. Modine. Oh, no one's seen it, so I'm just oh, going to dodge it. It's an Australian link there, isn't it? Richard Franklin or something? No. No, 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 no Alan Parker directed oh, it. Okay. And, um, yeah. Was it good? That's yeah, a great film. Yeah, it's Nicolas Cage's first sort of breakout role. Was it one of the best 63 movies that he released that <laughs> yeah, year? Yeah, that year, yeah. I think it was just before Peggy Sue got married, but yeah. <laughs> I suppose in 1971, I know there's a George Carlin bit about the origin of word post-traumatic stress. It was nervous, shell shock first. Yep. Relatively new diagnosis now, Trent, that particular name, post-traumatic stress. Well, it was open. open. You know, they, they were allowed to talk about oh, it right, yeah. more and more. It's still, I mean, it was still, you know, taboo because they, these poor people have been victimised. Uh, you know, they were harassed for going to the war yeah. when, you know, a lot of them didn't really want to. Uh, yeah. Do you like in your mind to just have a blank slate for Scorpio's background? Or oh, I kind of like the idea that, okay. that, yeah, that there is something. The, the idea of the blank slate also works because it makes it a little more creepy that you don't know this guy's origin yeah. or whatever. 
where the fuck did, what hole did this guy crawl out of to be like this i must always prefer that mm. uh i've been watching a lot of luther recently oh, and this is great season two episode three is the um guy that's basically like role-playing murder and that sort of stuff like mm. he'll sort of you know roll the dice and then that dictates what his actions are yeah. and he doesn't speak at any point in the duration of the episode yeah and so right. yeah you have absolutely no clue where he's coming from and in a show where it's all about someone like the idea of luther trying to get in the mind of these sorts of people that when even he can't do it then you as the audience you're like yeah my god what sort of evil mm. could this possibly be it's like so much more you know incomprehensible which i always find scarier yeah. than than the explanation pure evil i shot him six high times Sorry, my Donald You presence. don't know the meaning of evil. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> We're all going to die. <laughs> Sorry. It's my only Donald Pleasance impression. <laughs> yeah, I like the idea that not knowing anything, just having a motiveless psycho. Mm. It's quite... Well, that's the most terrifying kind. Do you think when he's firing the machine gun, he's um, he's he's turning Japanese or a little bit, and when he's firing, he gets a bit of an <laughs> orgasmic shot. He's like, ooh. <laughs> quite gone there but well maybe <laughs> very uh overjoyed i think we're turning him very slowly he's, he's doing all sorts of bad stuff glory holes mm, yeah yeah can i ask you a question liz as the trained actor indeed actress yeah. uh actually firstly politically speaking actor actress is there still like a Apparently, thing. actress is not the dumb thing anymore. Yeah. It's we're it's all actors. But what do you want? I think actor is fine. Okay. Although, although either, I don't mind. But actor's good. Do you think it's backstory? Um, sure. I think it's probably important for the actor. Uh, I don't think. I mean, I guess it's cir- circumstantial, but I think that it might be a little bit unwise to go in with nothing, because um, mm-hmm. you probably not have very much depth. Then, um, but I don't think that it's necessary at all for the audience to know everything about you. Um, it's what we're saying. It, it's really quite cool and lets every last person who watches um, just yeah, their imaginations run wild and and they can choose. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's necessary at all. But I think it's a good idea for you. Yes. Who have you found yourself? Have you ever played a psychopath or someone with um? Yes. And who did you channel, or is, is that um, private? Uh, who did I channel? I thought I was Molly Meldrum. <laughs> <laughs> it's a scary thought. Um, I suppose that you maybe try and go to, if there's any dark corners of your own psyche, I, I think, which probably isn't a good idea. I think that's, you know, the road that Heath Ledger might have gone down or, you know. Is that Stanislavski? To get uh, old drama school? Is that yeah, like kind yeah. of tap into your own? Yeah. yeah. And that's, I, I actually think that's a supremely bad idea. Um, I think you should just channel a kid. Sometimes kids are so, their idea of like right and wrong, they're just sociopath. Evil. evil, yeah. 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 Just imagine yourself with a kid with a magnifying glass and an ant, you know. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I tell a quick story about how uh, being on stage and what you're thinking is so far away from the audience? There's a we were talking off air about a play I did called The Shape of Things. And there's a scene in that where um, it's like an eight-minute monologue while my character is just sitting side stage reacting to the monologue. So it can be, And it's where his entire world comes crashing down. So it's a, it was a pretty intense thing to act silently without giving too much away, without being too big. There was one night where 
earlier that day, Hawthorne had just been eliminated from the AFL finals by Fremantle. And I'd watched it only two hours prior to going on stage. So, I spent that eight minutes sitting there, not even listening to what the, the words were anymore. And I was just replaying that game in my head from start to finish. Fantastic technique, though. I think that people study for years and years and pay a ridiculous amount of money to, to learn what you came up with on your own. I think that's a fantastic technique. You don't have to go lose yourself completely. You can just do something like that, whatever is convincing and gets you there. Mm. Um I once learned that if you uh, get shot, probably this is more probably specific to a play, but if you're to get shot, maybe you think of it like um, reacting as if you were jumping into a cold shower. Yeah, this is okay. probably similar body language and reaction and all the rest of it. So, yeah, that's fantastic technique. Yeah. Scorpio, uh, sorry, Andy Robinson, when he read the original Fink script, said he, he couldn't get a sense of the character before it was rewritten by Milius. And he said in his mind he's just... Thought the killer was like a, a fat guy with a paunch hanging around a bus station. That's how he played him until the next uh, script. Wonderful. Mm. All right. Well, I think that wraps up minute 40. Um, we'll see you all next time for minute 41. Indeed. I just realised, I mean, funnily enough, who'd have thunk? <laughs> and um, yes, well, thank you for joining us today. And uh, we'll see you next time on Dirty High Harry Minute. Minute. minute.